Hey, how's it going? Luke here. This week, I'm going to talk about, I suppose, reading research and resources that I like to use to upskill myself. The reason I'm, I'm talking about this is because I've had a lot of questions lately from mostly trainers, people asking about like what courses I would recommend to get better at programming or nutrition or coaching people. And to be perfectly honest, I haven't done that many courses. I'm sure there are some great online courses out there. There are probably some people who are pretty trustworthy and evidence-based and can do a great job delivering information to you. But personally, I haven't taken that many. But um, what I would say is that something that I've gotten a lot of value out of personally, which is not for everyone, is reading a few bits and pieces. The first thing is actually textbooks, which I know is not the most exciting thing in the world, but it's pretty cool to be able to look at some of the underlying physiology behind training and nutrition. Because when you have that basic knowledge, it makes looking at other information sources much easier. When you assess different posts and podcasts or even papers or review papers, things like this, it's much easier if you have some of the requisite background knowledge that comes from textbooks. Now, it's not the most exciting or fun thing sometimes, and it does require a bit of like uh, iteration. In other words, you kind of have to start with some foundational stuff and build up from there. So it will take a bit of time and you kind of need to know how to study and this kind of thing. But I think that's super valuable. But beyond that, I, I kind of had some questions around courses, but then I also had a lot of questions around like, hey, I want to get into reading some research, but it's really intimidating. I don't know how to start. I don't know how to evaluate a paper. Like when someone posts a paper, how do I know if what they're saying is accurate or not about that paper? So there's a few rules I would say about eating, uh, eating about reading uh, a scientific paper. And I want to go through them. So the, the 10 sort of rules or guidelines or whatever for reading a scientific paper. To start with, what I would really recommend is subscribing to a research review of some kind. I think that the mass research review by Eric Trexler, Mike Zordos, Greg Knuckles, and Eric Helms is probably the best one out there. I think it's really, really good. And the reason why you want to look at a research review is because those people are firstly pretty trustworthy. They've all got um, tertiary education. They've all spent a long time reading research and analyzing research. And so you get a bit of an insight into how these people will pick apart a paper and look at the different aspects of it. And if you read a research review with that in mind, like, hey, what are they doing to analyze this research rather than just skipping through to like, oh, what's the conclusion here? Then I think that helps you to hone your skills a bit. And once you start doing that, you start to notice some patterns. And from there, you can have a go at doing that with some papers yourself. Now, what I would recommend is if you're reading something in a research review, that's like a research review has done an article on a, on a paper, try and get a hold of that paper yourself and go through it yourself and see if you can pick up anything or see how they've gone through and analyzed the whole thing. That's really helpful. So the, the long and short of it is if you want to get good at reading research uh, or analyzing papers is that it takes a lot of practice. It is a skill that you can get better at. And certainly I feel reasonably comfortable with it now, but I'm not the best at it because I don't have a background in every sort of area of research that I read. And I also don't have a strong background in statistics or anything like that. So that's probably my weak point, but 
I have read a lot of different papers across a few different areas within training and fitness and research, uh, psychology research as well. And so you start to spot some patterns and there's some sort of general rules that you can use that can help you make sense of it. And it's surprising how far just taking a logical approach to how the study is constructed and then how it might apply to the real world can take you if you know how to do that. So that's kind of the point of this podcast. I'm going to go through 10 simple rules for reading a scientific paper. Now, this is actually based off of a paper itself, which is uh, called 10 Simple Rules for Reading a Scientific Paper. It was published in 2020. So I've adapted these from that paper by Carrie, Steiner, and Petrie. All right, so let's get into it. All right, so in today's world, we essentially have more accumulated knowledge available to us as individuals than the like entire generations did not so long ago. And it's all in your pocket in terms of a phone, right? So it's great to have this world of knowledge at your fingertips, but we also want to know how to make best use of it because it's kind of useless having all of this knowledge. I mean, you know, you can access literally anything on Wikipedia, but it doesn't necessarily mean you know how to use it, right? So the thrust of this whole thing is to read often and read actively, which means reading with an intent to try and understand or to improve your comprehension skills. So these are 10 steps you can use to achieve these two key principles of reading often and reading actively, i.e. with an intent to understand and improve your skills. So the first one, I think the first rule is to pick your reading goal. So you want to understand uh, what exactly are you looking to get out of an article? Because that will influence your approach to reading it. So for example, you might approach reading an article or a scientific paper pretty differently to how you would if you were new to reading research versus if you were writing a review of the paper. So those are completely different goals. If you're completely new to research, your mindset's very different to trying to write a research review, for example. So how well do you need to understand this paper? What parts of it are you gonna focus on? What are you looking to get out of it? That's the first thing. So pick your reading goal before you start. Rule number two, you want to understand your own reading goal, but you also want to try and understand the author's goal. So in rule one, we identify that uh, we have a goal as a reader, but for rule two, we understand that the goal of the author might be different to those of us uh, that are reading it. And that's going to help us interpret the data and understand the sort of intent behind wanting to do this study and write a paper on it. So who are the authors? What fields do they work in? What prior research have they published? Uh, what university do they work at? It can be a bit hard to find this info without doing a ton of further reading and research, which can really slow down the process. But I do think it helps quite a lot when you understand like, oh, I'm reading this paper on you know, how much protein you need. And this particular author has spent the last 20 years trying to study this. And this is the latest in a series of like, 20 papers um, that he's published on it or something like that. It does make a quite a big difference. Uh, another way to kind of begin with this is to identify the type of paper you're reading because the actual type of paper has a lot of different ways that, that you could go with analyzing it. So is it a methods paper? Is it a systematic review? Is it a meta-analysis? Is it a randomized control t uh, controlled trial? Is it mechanistic oriented? Uh, is it using animals? Is it testing a hypothesis in humans? Is it a comment like an, an editorial on the body of available evidence? That kind of thing. So to give you a few little quick 
definitions. Um, we can have a randomized control trial, which is basically where we take uh, at least a couple of groups and we randomize the participants into those groups. And the idea then is that we're sort of comparing these two groups against each other. And obviously we want it to be blinded so that nobody knows who's getting which treatment. We then also have systematic reviews, which is where the authors will go back through the available evidence and essentially comment on the content of all of those studies together. A meta-analysis is where they take all of the data from previous studies and they pool them together and they do an analysis on this larger data set. So those are all a little bit different and the goal of the author is going to be a little bit different in each of those. And then additionally, of course, you can have a look at, okay, is this in animals? So that maybe they're just trying to establish a mechanism. Is it in humans? So now it's moved beyond that, that sort of thing. Okay, rule number three. There are sort of six main questions we want to ask when we're looking at a paper. What are the authors trying to find out? So what's their hypothesis? What's the question they're hoping to answer? What did they do to answer that question? And this is straight away, you can start to look at how a paper might be doing a good job or not. Why was it done that way is a good question to ask as well. Does it make sense to ask this question based on previous research? Are there methods justifiable based on that? What do the results show? So if we have a quick look at the figures and the tables, is there anything in particular that stands out about their shape or the data that they've published there? Like you might not have any expertise on statistics or anything like that, but sometimes a quick look through the data, you can kind of go, hey, some of these numbers are like way bigger than others or something stands out to you. Then your fifth question is, how did the authors interpret these results, which is generally in the discussion section of the paper. So is there anything in there that you would agree with or disagree with, or are there any things in there that uh, you think they didn't address? Like you have any questions that maybe they didn't really answer, like why they didn't do something a certain way or strengths and weaknesses of their, their study design. And then the sixth question is to ask what should be done next? So, okay, we've done this research. What would you like to know now in light of this research? And this would be in the conclusion. So we're asking, how does this fit into the bigger picture and how can we build on it in future research? And I think if you go through those six questions, you're basically going, okay, what question did the uh, authors ask? What did they do to answer that question? Why did they do it that way and not a different way? What did the results end up showing? How did the authors interpret those results and what should be done next? And if you follow that sort of path, I think you've got through most of the analysis that you need to do to understand the thrust of a paper. And I think this is where a lot of people fall down because they get frustrated that like, oh, why didn't they do this and train individuals? Why didn't they do set it up this way? And usually the answer is because in context, it doesn't make sense to do it that way. Uh, they're, they're trying to put it in context of you know, uh, the broader research or they're trying to answer a really specific question. For example, can we get this to work in a particular population? If we can, cool, then we can make another study where we do it in another population or something like that. Okay, so rule number four, unpack each figure and table. So recently many papers across several different fields have been retracted after independent scientists studied the data provided. In fact, this has happened to a couple of pretty key studies in uh, the muscle building research. Some research out of Brazil has actually been retracted. So this is pretty important because it takes some data sleuthing to be able to do this. I don't expect the average person to be able to do it. 
Um, but the data is really the most important part of the scientific research. So we, we might all have a different interpretation, but without the raw data, this scientific process simply cannot be done. So providing the data lets other people try different analyses. It opens the door to try and replicate the results and it provides transparency. So with that in mind, I think it's important to at least cast an eye over the presented data and have a look at how it was obtained have a look if there's anything that stands out about that data. Try and identify what's shown and how it was collected. Uh, often you'll find some weird outliers or something like that. And it's just worth doing because although you might not really find anything too noteworthy to start with, the more you do it, the better you get at spotting some inconsistencies. Rule number five, understand the formatting intentions. So each section of a paper is written in a particular way and that can influence how you interpret it. Some sections are supposed to be written like objectively, objective descriptions of data. So for example, the results section will try to be objective. Some are supposed to be a little bit more subjective from the author's point of view. For example, the discussion section. So the discussion will be essentially the results but through the author's eyes and how they interpret those results. So here's a quick rundown of how it should look. In the intro, we should present the research question and give some brief background as to why this research is needed. So for example, well, we saw a previous study did this, this, and this. So now we wanna ask this question based on that. Then you'll have the method section, which should describe what is done and how it was done. And a lot of papers in nutrition and research science are really brief here. The method section, technically should allow basically any researcher across the world to replicate this study exactly. Now, unfortunately, like I said, they're usually really brief and they don't actually provide too much detail, but it should give you a decent idea of what was done. Then we have the results section. So what was found, and this is data being clearly presented in objective statements. If you find anything that is particularly subjective in here, that's a bit of a red flag. So we should see figures, tables, legends, and captions um, to help visualize that data. But this should be quite objective. Then we move on to the discussion, which is where the authors will discuss what these results mean, how they fit into previous research, and they should also analyze some strengths and weaknesses of their study design. Uh, and additionally, whether the data is something that they expected to happen or not. So this is a bit more of a subjective commentary from the authors and they might discuss what they expected. They might discuss if anything was unusual and then try to explain it a little bit. Then you'll get the conclusion, which is just a brief summary of everything, right? And what the implications are. Then of course, you'll find some references and sometimes you'll find some supplemental material like some extra tables or something at the end of the data so that's uh, pretty helpful so just a quick refresh of where we're at so far we've gone through five rules so number one pick your reading goal number two understand the author's goal number three ask those six questions about how and why the research was performed number four try to unpack the figures and the tables and understand the data number five understand the intention of each section and read it accordingly. So now we're up to rule number six, which is to be critical. Just because it's in a published paper doesn't mean it is true, doesn't mean it's the one and only truth. Just because it's in a high impact journal or it's published by a well-known researcher, or most importantly, just because it fits your own biases doesn't make it true. So we have to understand that we have this expectancy bias 
So expectancy is this well-established phenomenon in psychology. If we expect something to be a certain way, then we will behave as if it is actually that way. And this can shut down our critical thinking. So it's, it's important to be on high alert when you're reading anything and try to set aside your expectations, which often is, is primed by like the introduction or the title of the article. So try not to let that happen. Rule number seven is to be kind. Researchers are human at the end of the day, and a vast majority got into their chosen field because of passion, because of a desire to learn more, because of a desire to enhance our knowledge of a particular field. And scientific research is incredibly difficult to do, especially in the training and nutrition field, because there are a lot of significant logistical limitations. Uh, just trying to find people and put together a study with limited funding is very difficult. Trying to control variables when you're dealing with something as dynamic as a human being is very difficult. And sometimes people just make mistakes. So we want to be critical, but we also want to give the benefit of the doubt and we want to understand that there are significant limitations to conducting research. So you'll probably be able to pick up a couple of significant limitations of the research as you go through. You know, why didn't they do it this way? Why was it only for two weeks? They should have done it for two months or something like this. Just understand that although you should be critical of those things and you should understand those limitations that, um, you know, the authors are generally trying to do their best and they usually don't have some kind of underlying motive. Rule number eight be ready to go the extra mile. So true understanding of a paper often requires maybe searching up some scientific terms or some methods that you don't understand. And at first, it's gonna take a little bit of following up. So you might need to follow up on a few terms you don't understand. You might need to follow up on some references and spend some time looking at the data and trying to understand it. It's pretty tough to properly critique a paper. Now, none of us are doing this for our jobs really unless we are writing something like a research review but sometimes the best approach is to take your time and just take multiple passes at the paper so maybe on your first read through you'll simply become familiar with it without the pressure of trying to analyze every little thing and then you can go back over it again once or twice more you can look for details you can double check statements and try to be a bit more critical of it that way. So, you know, personally, I've often found that going over um, the study and just reading it and taking it all at face value first is really handy. And then I go back and I often check uh, some references in the paper. And often the referenced papers actually don't support statements made by the authors to my satisfaction. And so that's a really time-consuming process, but I find it's pretty worthwhile. And the cool thing about it is that it actually gets you really familiar with the general body of research. So if you have like one paper published recently and it's got, you know, 40 or 50 or 60 references, you don't necessarily have to check each one, but you're probably going to find another five or 10 really interesting papers referenced that you can go through and look at. And if you're willing to do that, then it gives you a really solid overview and good knowledge of the area in question, which is a really good way of sort of buffing up your knowledge, I suppose, if you're really into this. Okay, rule number nine is to talk about it. If you can find other people to discuss a paper with, you'll do far more for your active learning than if you're trying to do it by yourself. This is obviously a little bit harder to do outside of like, you know, a university or a classroom setting. But if you have any friends or maybe colleagues that you work with, with similar interests, then it might be worthwhile just getting together to try and analyze a paper. It can actually be kind of fun. <laughs> 
believe it or not. Describing a paper can be done at multiple levels, so it doesn't necessarily have to be like a deep analysis. You can basically just have a quick discussion of it or like a quick read through or something like that. Um, obviously, another tactic you can use is to subscribe to a research review and you can try going through a paper by yourself first and then going back and seeing what the research review has picked up. And that way you can kind of learn a little bit for next time. It gives you a seasoned reviewer's take on the literature and they might provide some talking points that you wouldn't have otherwise thought of. Certainly professional reviewers, like if you've subscribed to Mass or something like that, will have you know, a good decade or two of knowledge behind them reading research, which means they're pretty familiar with the field and they understand how that paper fits into the overall uh, body of literature. So I personally like to read through a paper first and analyze it myself so I can go in with fresh eyes and then go through and read the review of that paper and see the reviewer's take on it. Um, what you can also do is if you don't have anyone that you can kind of share your thoughts on it with, I think it might be worthwhile maybe just writing like a brief review of it yourself. Uh, and that way it kind of forces you to um, assemble your thoughts, I suppose, in a, a more succinct way. So you can gather your thoughts, you can structure them, you can put them down on paper. And that way you have a sort of more active style of learning happening as well. And the final rule is rule number 10, which is to build on that. So research is like a big wall of Lego bricks and each paper represents one brick. We just need to discuss that research in context of the whole wall of bricks. But in addition to this, we need to build the wall higher. So if we can talk about research, we can put out our constructive criticism, then you're doing a very small part in moving the whole field further in, in, in a small way. So it kind of progresses ideas, it highlights new facets that need further exploration. Especially in this field, you often get the criticism of like, you know, researchers are just lab coats that don't know how to train. And I don't think for the exercise science field that that is true anymore. There's so many exercise science researchers and nutrition researchers who are actually into things like bodybuilding and powerlifting or other sports. And they are researching it out of a genuine interest for the sport and often they're doing it because they are reading what people are doing on forums and on social media and they're going like hmm I wonder why or how this technique can be useful and then they put together some studies to look at that so the more that we all discuss this stuff and put out constructive criticism you're actually feeding into the stuff that the people conducting the experiments will see and that helps a lot it really pushes the field further so even if you're not the one doing the research, if you can demonstrate some sort of demand for research in a particular area or give some ideas, then it actually helps scientists quite a lot. All right, cool. So that's it. Hopefully it's handy. I know probably not everyone's going to find this super useful, but I'll just go through a quick summary of the 10 rules for reading research here. So quick refresher. Rule number one, pick your reading goal. Rule number two, understand what the author's goal is. Rule number three, ask the six questions about how and why the research was performed. Rule number four, have a look at the data. Try and unpack each figure and table as best you can. Rule number five, understand the formatting intentions. What is each section designed to do? And do the authors do that correctly in each section? Rule number six is to be critical um, without expectancy. 
Rule number seven is to be kind or to be understanding of the limitations of the research. Rule number eight is to be ready to go the extra mile by reading the paper more than once and maybe checking up on some references. Rule number nine is to talk about the paper or at least cross-reference it with someone else's take using a research review or by writing your own little take on the paper. Rule number 10 is to build on it by discussing it properly and by reading more papers to expand your understanding. Okay, hope that's handy. Uh, Reminder to give me a rating, hopefully a five-star rating, and thanks for listening. Catch you next time.